This is Again for the First Time with your host, Darren Redmond. I've been doing podcasts for over two and a half years now. And again, thank you, everybody, who's tuning into this episode of the Again for the First Time podcast. And I've talked to people who've lost their children. I've talked to people who've overcome amazing obstacles. The visceral hate I have what happened to our guest, Dawn Tyree, is palpable. My favorite word is the next one, and I'm almost at a loss for words, and I speak for a living with a podcast. Dawn Tyree is our guest. And the person and people, because it's not just the person who did this to her, it's the people that allowed it to happen and perpetuated it, murdered her childhood. She's still here and she's a fighter and she's giving back. Dawn Tyree, I'm gonna read from her own words. She was forced to marry the person who would rape her at 13 years of age when she turned up pregnant. She was expecting her second child at 14. The forced births, thank goodness, escaped at the age of 16. So lots unpack that. Dawn Tyree is my guest today. Dawn, thank you for being here and how are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm quite well and I deeply appreciate your invitation, Darren. I'm thankful to be here. So Dawn, there's evil in this world. I'm going to start there. No matter what a person believes in, in, in afterlife, no afterlife, whatever the case may be, evil exists. And what was done to you is horrific and just evil. Walk me through what you can and the listener what you can because I, my phone has been blowing up since I announced that I was going to talk to you today. Because <laughs> people want to help. Because this is legal in a lot of states. That's right. It is. Child marriage is legal in 44 states. And, you know, I thought when I came out publicly in 2018 that I could tell my story without villainizing um, my family members. And it's not possible because, like you said, evil exists. And there was a lot of scheming and cover up going on with no regard to my physical well-being or mental well-being. Evil does exist. And so in, in the course of that time that I was being abused, um, it was being overlooked. And then when I turned up pregnant by, you know, my this is my legal guardian. So we'll back up a little bit, you know, my mm -hmm. my 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 father remarried. Um, you know, he was enamored in his new relationship and with his new wife and they were starting a new business. We were located in San Pablo, California um, and I was in a private school. So when things started to come together for them in the state of Texas where they were building a business, they decided to relocate there. And because I was in the private school and because the tuition had been paid for, uh, my stepmother thought it best that I stay behind and finish the school year. And, and, and in doing that, she invited this, this family friend to become my legal guardian, basically my nanny, and he moved in. The abuse had already been happening, and that's what I talk about, where it's just not possible that she didn't know because I know how I reached out. I know the, thing, the behavior that I displayed and, and even the depression and, and being reclusive and um, my academics were you know, becoming poor. Um, so I know that she knew something was not right. And that's where, where sometimes I struggle with, um, was it planned all along? Uh, when I met her, she let me know right away that she had two kids that were grown adults, they were out of the house, and she had never intended on raising another child. So, you know, I mean, I, I deal with this mental puzzle every day where I'm like trying to fit the, the pieces mm -hmm. together to make it make sense for me. I'm 50 years old now. Um, so so this, this man moves into my home and, and is now my primary care provider, my, my, my legal guardian. And he's and, in his, and he's in his 30s, correct? He's he's in his 30s. My and God. and it and 
before long, you know, he was, he was raping me. It was no problem. There were no adults around. My parents were thousands of miles away and left me with this man. And so when I reached out, um, you know, I the, the phone calls would be severed really quickly by my stepmother or, you know, uh, made so it. I have to stop you here. <laughs> stop me there. No, because I always say this, I can sit at a luncheonette and I say that not in a funny way because this is, we just talked. Does he just feel like I can now take this kid down and have sex with this child? Does he try to romance you? Does he drug you up? What is going on? And my God, what what are you feeling at that point? Because I I want to reach, I want to I want to choke I'm him out right now. Yeah, um, I think that he felt um some sort of um you know just invincible at that point. Sure. Um, because my my stepmother had been letting him take me away for full weekends, like several days at a time, that he would take me to his home where I would stay with him three or four days at a time. And that was okay with her. So at some point he's receiving the signal that- Oh, but I, I mean, know. look, uh, uh, we're both <laughs> thinking the same thing. She, she has to have her head in the sand if she's not aware of this. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. And, and it, it's not the case. Her head was not in the sand. She it was it was a conscious choice, you know, to to ignore it or dismiss it. So based on you know all of those things leading up to him moving in, I think he just he felt like he was my authority authoritarian. Like he at that point he is my legal guardian, and he's also the only adult in my life. And he he's been around for a couple of years. So he sees the relationship between me and my stepmother and me and my father. And let's face it, I mean, these predators know, you oh, know, yeah. what to watch for, the dynamics, the family dynamics. Um, and so I was easy prey for him. I remember, not to swap stories, but I remember going out with a young woman who had an ancestral problem. Mm. And... Um, the person was able to do it with impunity Ugh. and uh, get away with it. Cause he's a nice guy. Everybody loves it. And, and he was able to commit this heinous crime. Yeah. And, and I remember telling him because I just saw it over a weekend when I went visiting some uh, family member, just get out, just get, and that's what she did. She, she had to run away. Because mm -hmm. no, but the people around her refused to believe her. They said they told her that she was trying to get attention. That's unfortunate, and that you know, it's where does that come from? Is that is that the generations before us that you know that were just seeking attention? Um, you know, in my grandmother's generation, it was like story. Oh, quit making up stories. Like that's what. what? No, that was the exact words. Wow. Because you and I, I'm, I'm a little older than you, but we're in that same. If we're at Arby's, we're filling out the same bubble at dinner. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah. Um, that's what it was. You know, you're just making up stories. And also the part of it is, if this person is arrested, or is this person, who's going to feed the family? You must have right. did something to, 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 to make this happen. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they blame a child so often. It's disgusting. As a New York City bouncer, I was a bouncer for 13, 14 years. I can name on, on more than two hands the number of times I had to pull a guy in the parking lot off of a child, 15, 14, 16 years old, and these guys are in the 20s, 30s, 40s. Now, let me tell you wow. something. They accidentally fell down on purpose numerous times, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Did they accidentally fall up the stairs and into the bathtub? <laughs> Correct. I don't know what happened. I'm just, wow. But back to you. So this is going on. You have to be in pain, so alone. Walk me through that process. You're a child. You're 13. I was I was in a lot of pain. Um, and again, you know, being raised, having not having my biological mother in my life, you know, was was a, a void in itself. Like not understanding when other children had their mothers. Um, you know, what, why was I rejected by mine? My father was the one that was raising me. 
So it's really complex and that, you know, rejected by my biological mother, rejected by my new stepmother, and my father's really not engaged with me. Um, and, you know, I mean, spent a lot of time watching the Brady Bunch, you know, idolizing the, the sitcom Happy Family. Um, and so, so isolated, um, wounded, uh, vulnerable, and, and my, again, my academics were just uh, crappy. Uh, which it, it should have been a, a signal, you know, to the to the school, and we can talk about some of the people that failed, you know, failed let's, me. When let's talk about that. Let's get there. Yeah. The system. I mean, but I, I think in that generation, I mean, we are speaking to things, you know, upfront and and more publicly now. Sure. But even at that time in the 1980s, um, we're talking about a gen two generations. That, that were raised on mind your own business, what's going on next door is not our business and we're not gonna meddle in that. And so I think that the neighbors that were seeing what was going on, um, you know, that's none of our business. Um, the school knew that my parents had moved to Texas. I mean, they, they were informed that my parents were out of state and that I was living at home with a guardian. Um, but for, for me to show up consistently or sometimes not at all, um, should the way that I was showing up, you know, disengaged and, and kind of in what we know as a trauma response now, just, you know, type of autopilot um, and, and quite frankly, having poor hygiene and not, not looking my best in my school uniform. Um, and so there were, there, the clergy, that's the first one, the clergy um, should have been right there. Um, the sisters that I would meeting with you know my homeroom classroom who who was a sister she would notice things about me but not pull me aside and and ask me directly what's going on at home um and so the just right there are some of the the people the immediate people in my life that failed and, and unfortunately um extended family members like direct family members like my my stepsister who you know was old enough to kind of see what was going on so direct family members um aunties uncles my stepsister or um staff at the school at that point um should have been aware of what what was going on because we know the signs we know the signals That's we know right. when a child is not well um and so again all of that was just overlooked um, and I did miss a lot of school. I mean, he didn't care if I was missing school. He'd no. keep me home. If, if he wasn't working, I would, I would stay home. Um, you, were sex, it, you were a sex slave who cleaned the house. I, I really was. And, and it, it, it's hard to reconcile that even now, but that is what it was. Um, and, 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 and it was inevitable that I, I would turn up pregnant. I didn't know that at the time. But I don't know what he was thinking or what my stepmother was thinking, um, you know. And so, as we know, the abuse continued. And when we learned I was pregnant, um, it was about protecting everyone. Now, listen, my my parents at this point, when you think about it, they were facing child abuse and neglect and abandonment charges. So they they had a big mess to clean up. And then you look at him; he's looking at a prison sentence. So who, whose lives matter? The adults and always the man, always the man. Society values the life of a man over a woman. And what, whenever we hear about even Romeo and Juliet getting pregnant, we're like, oh no, his future is screwed. It's not about her. It's about what, oh no, she's pregnant. What's gonna happen to him? So now we're talking about, you know, an adult and a you're, child. You're, you're, I was just about to say, no, you're, you're, you're a woman, young lady and a child and you don't matter. You don't right. matter. It's about protecting the parent, protecting him. How do you get married at 13? Explain to people how that's actually legal, which is, is amazing to me. You it's can't, by the way, you can't, you can't buy an e-cigarette until you're 21. You right. can't buy a lotto ticket, but feel free to get married so you can have sex yeah. with a 30-something-year-old. Go ahead. I mean, okay. that's, yeah. That's one of my favorites, the, the tobacco one, is because we pass that legislation 
recently, within the last four years, I think, we raised the age from 18 to 21 to purchase tobacco products in, in, the, in the United States, but a child can get married in 44 states. Nine of those states have no minimum age for marriage. And that's how children get married. There are little loopholes, if you will, in these laws, whether it be like, oh, you know, let's require a, a, a court mandated investigation. We're going to do some home visits. We're going to make sure that this child isn't being pressured into marriage, blah, blah, blah. You know, this kid lives with the adults that, it, that are in fact, the ones that are pressuring them to get married. So how can you say it's safe to conduct an investigation? In my personal experience, there is no way that I would have spoken to any, anyone, not a judge, not a, not a child protection social worker. I would not have been telling them what was going on in my family life. Because as a family unit, it doesn't matter what the pain and what the trauma is day in and day out, the family comes first and the children were, will protect you know, their family and they don't want to get in trouble. Children are people pleasers. I mean, they don't yes. really, you don't, you don't want to push back. They want back. affection because they, 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 they in, intrinsically want affection. Yes, yep. So it's just amazing to me without doubling back to these metaphors I'm about to use, but so, if you're 13 years old and you want to go ice skating right, right near here, Gateway Ice Center, you know, or, or wherever, chances are that you might have to sign a letter, a waiver saying, you know, that, but you can't sign it. Your parent has to sign it. But feel free at 13 to sign a marriage license. Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. You need your parent to go on a field trip for school. You're in middle school at 13. What are you, seventh grade? You need, your parent needs to sign a, 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 a field trip but you can, you can just get married. And what state was this at the time? So we, you know, as I had mentioned, we were living in California, but we had- Yeah, moved. I, want, I want people to hear that, that's what, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were living in California during the abuse when we lived together, when we were kind of living like a couple, but not really a couple. Um, and, and my stepmother had invited him to relocate to Texas. That's when we found out that I was pregnant. So my time in Texas was very short. It was only a couple of months. You know, we moved down there. I was registered for school. I never stepped foot in that new school because we found out I was pregnant. We got married. Dad signed, you know, my dad's signature is all that it took. And we headed right back to California. But what I want to focus on the fact that it could have easily happened in California because California is one of the nine states that does I, not have a minimum age for marriage. I looked that up. So, That's what I looked that up. And this yeah. isn't amazing. And this is a very sad metaphor. Your father signed you away. Is that any different than when a, when a slave owner would sign away a slave? No, it's not. I mean, he was handing me over to my my predator. To, to your rapist? Yes. To a child rapist? Yes. Now, when I have to ask, and again, feel free to say, I'd rather not comment on it, but when when your father finds out, sounds like your, your stepmom is just, you know, gone. Um, when I hear that you're pregnant, and obviously this man is violating you, What's their response? It was really quiet. I mean, we were we were we were all sitting down to eat, um, and and that's when he chose to let my parents know that I was pregnant, um, and and you know my my father just got up and walked out of the room, um, and uh, whew, man, I feel like my stepmother said something like, "Are you sure?" It's from you or something like that. Wow. wow. I know. So, so I'm 13 years old and she said that, uh, but we're going to back up a little bit more because sure. during the time that we were in California, her son, who was newly divorced, moved into our home and he raped me. I was going to say, he, he was taking turns. Yeah. So why I. Am I had, why am I not surprised? And again, you, oh, she knew nothing. I'm sure she knew nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I told her and she she blatantly called me a liar. Um, and so I think that's why she brought that up again. And and I think that is also why she tried to terminate the pregnancy at home. Wow, I didn't know again. that. 
total fear factor. You know, was she afraid for, you know, my rapist? Was she afraid for her son? Was she just afraid that, oh my gosh, like, you know, I. All the above, probably, probably all the above. Right. So she got, she got really drunk and got me really drunk and, and proceeded to try to terminate the pregnancy at home. We were home alone. My God. So nearly killing me and my unborn son. Um, and when that failed, um, we got married. So, and, and it's very easy uh, to get married, uh, to marry a child in the United States. Uh, no one bats an eye. Uh, to, 2018, child marriage was still legal in all 50 states. I was going to say, let's jump ahead. Please inform yeah. our listeners and our viewers how this goes on today all the time. Yes. Yes. So 300,000 children have been forced to marry in the United States in between 2000 and 2018. And those numbers are absolutely out, outrageous. Like and one child marriage is one too many. I, it was, it's devastating and the consequences are generational, um, you know, mental health, uh, substance misuse, um, all kinds of things, you know, that you're dealing with. Uh, perpetuated poverty. That's, that's another thing. So, so yes, child marriage legal in 44 states today, easy peasy to do. Uh, no one bats an eye. Um, often only takes one parent's consent. And most of the, of the survivors that I personally know, um, their child marriage happened without the other parent knowing. So, and just like in mine, like my father consented to it and my biological mother had no idea that it happened until after the fact. And then there's nothing they can do. There is nothing that can be done after no, it's, it's tied up. And it's sanctioned it's, by the state, you, you're married. Right, it's a rubber stamp of approval to abuse children. And it's a complete umbrella. It's like, I remember when I left the marriage and was showing up to court and trying to explain the abuse that had taken place before the marriage and the abuse that had taken place during the marriage and then after the marriage where he, he was also abusive. And, and this, this marriage just is an umbrella for him. It, it protected him from anything. Like we had, we couldn't, we couldn't bring up charges for anything against him. And that's the case for, for the other child marriages as well. It's like, it, it totally protects rapists and predators from any charges. You have no legal recourse. And then again, like my, my child marriage was an automatic emancipation. Uh, but when I tried to leave at 16, I had no adult like privileges. Well, there was, you're, because you're a child. Right. So, and you could be, be, be a sex victim for a grown adult, but now, now you're a child again. Right. Right. Even though I was emancipated. Yes. I'm, I'm a child again. And then he's, he's, you know, he's my legal guardian. So I could, we couldn't go to a shelter. We were turned away from a shelter because I was too young. The lawyers wouldn't go into contract because contracts with minors are voidable. Um, couldn't rent a hotel room because I was a kid. Can't, you know, couldn't find any, any housing for us. You, there is nothing available. And I'm not advocating for freaking uh, resources for child brides. I'm advocating to end it. Like, I don't give a crap that there are no resources right now because we just need to end it. I don't want to put money into resources for survivors of child marriage, you know. Um, but the truth is, is the, the, it's not out there. There are no resources for, for children trying no. to get out of marriages. No, it has to end is what has to happen. It right. has to end. So you got pregnant again. Walk us kind of through that a little bit and then how you, the despair in getting out by 16. Talk a little bit about that just to kind of move, move everything along. Moving that along. Um, yes. And, and so I had, had my firstborn um, and, and made a decision that I wanted uh, to breastfeed him. Um, you know, it's amazing how motherhood, you know, it transforms you and I wanted the best for my child and, and, and that's what I felt like was best for him. But in my other ear, I had my husband telling me that because I was breastfeeding, my body would—I would, my body knew that I had a newborn and I wouldn't get pregnant again. And so, 
my son was like three months old and I learned that I was pregnant again. Um, so at 14 years old, I was expecting my second child. Um, and uh, whew, uh, I think I was a little numb when I heard that I was pregnant again, um, but also like, okay, this, this is my life. I mean, there's no escape. This is it. This is so I was figuring out how to make the most of it. I really was. And, um, and so, you know, I'm going to, I got to stop. And I, I have to know this. You have a three month old at home. You're about to get pregnant again. It's a Wednesday night. You're out somewhere with, with your rapist that he call himself your husband. How does he introduce you? Does he introduce a 13 year old, 14 year old girl that's his wife? And what sort of people sit around there and find that acceptable? Yeah, you know, that, it is an interesting question. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up. A lot of people leave that part out. Yes, he would just blatantly introduce me as his wife. And, and each time was incredibly awkward. And I don't think it was necessarily as awkward for him or even the person that, that he was introducing me to. I carried a significant amount of shame. And so and you shouldn't, but it's natural. I, right. It's like, right. Because that kind of abuse feels dirty and gross and yucky. And so I would just kind of glaze over and not know what to say. And an interesting um, aspect of being a child bride is that when you go to a barbecue or a family function or a holiday meal or things like that, there's no place for you. Like you don't quite fit in with the children no. and the adults no. don't want to really talk to you. Right. And so you just, again, it's, it's, it's complete and utter isolation. Um, and, and, and the adults of the other children really don't want you engaging with them anyway. No, so, no. Yeah. I, I am so proud of you for being here today and for getting through what you did for helping people so much. You are so strong. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I am telling you that that you're helping people that you and I are never going to meet. But you're helping yeah. them. Well, and thank you for that. That is what what keeps me going is knowing first of all that pain and isolation during the time that I was trapped um, and thinking I was the only one. And now that with the with the knowledge that I have now and knowing what a crisis it is it is my hope that those that are trapped out there know that that there is a way out and that we have resources now and we have organizations that will help girls escape or get out before they're pressured to marry right yeah. and, and, and and people just to kind of surmise as we move forward we want this to end we want this child marriage bride sexual trafficking, human trafficking to end. But I think what Dawn is saying is we want it to end, but until it ends, there are, there are resources out there for people. And, and by the way, named Dawn and now Darren, you know, we, we wanted to help people. And by the way, when you put out your posting on Twitter, it blew up. So many people want to help because it is amazing to me that these states allow child brides. Yes. And so just think about this, people. You conspiracy people out there, uh, <laughs> I want you to realize that human trafficking happens, and then they're going to cover it up by forced marriage, by marrying these children, and then there's nothing that you could do. And 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 again, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. People are around; they know what's going on. Think about think about Dawn going to that party she just mentioned. All those people know what's going on. They know she's 13 or 14. They have children that same age that she, they're checking their homework. Yeah. And she's, and she's nursing a child and pregnant again. And she's here today. And so now how do you get out? 16. Many do not. Okay. So many do not. That's the thing. And, yes. and suicide is an issue with child marriages and child brides. And we know, we know this. 
Um, but because of the immediate forfeited education, um, you know, there's an, just an automatic increase in economic deprivation and living in poverty, which is what I mean, when I escape, there is no escape. Children don't have rights. They're young enough to be forced into marriage, but don't have the rights to get out of the marriage. There is no escaping. These women that are forced to marry as children don't get out until they're like in their 30s. Right, right. You and, know? And, and please, people out there, I mean, this with, 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 with love in my heart, don't tell me the story about you know, the sharecropper who got married at 13 and, and, and the person at 15, because nobody walks around, nobody's driving a horse and buggy anymore. Nobody, you know, we have electricity now, times have changed. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking, well, about, go ahead. I will, I will speak to those before us that married young because we all have family members that married young and the life expectancy for, for them at that time was like 30 years old. So absolutely. Perfect. You know, it's a different time right now and we don't condone it anymore. We're not condoning this, this crap. I mean, we want more for our children and we know that girls, you know, can thrive with a better education and grow up and aspire to be the woman that they wanted to be as a child. And they don't get that right or that, that equality in a marriage forced upon them. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't, you, you don't even, you're 13. And by the way, we're talking about 13 is when she got pregnant. So God knows how long before stuff was happening. And not just you now, John, other people out there. Right, right. You don't even know how to make your own bed. You don't even know who you are. You don't have the, you don't have the luxury of learning what TV shows you like, what sandwiches you like, what music you like. All you know is that you are a, a plaything for a pervert. Yeah. Yes, that's that's accurate. That, okay. you know, and watching everyone else in the neighborhood, you know, outside playing um, while I'm cooking dinner for my husband and, you know, tending to my newborn or watching the children in the neighborhood catch the school bus and go to school. I mean, it was devastating. I fought like hell for my education. Um, and, and it was difficult. I had missed, you know, my last, my last completed school year was sixth grade. So I was married that summer and I missed seventh and eighth grade when I wanted to go to high school. You know, I had that, that, that gap in my education and they didn't want to enroll me. I was pleading. I said, please just get, let me take a placement test. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And, and it took a lot of work. Also, I had to have his signature so that I could enroll in school. Amazing. Everything that I tried to do for myself, I hit a wall and I needed him to, to approve it. Um, but happy to report, I did pass my placement exam and was able to, thank you. It was able to be you know, a freshman in high school. So now I have, you know, I'm a freshman in high school. I have an infant son, I'm pregnant again. And I was beaten to hell in the halls of my classroom. Uh, by my peers. I mean, that was another experience that drove me right out of school um, is, is bullies are out there back when, now, today, everything. And I was bullied and shamed in my high school for being married to a pervert. Everyone called him a pervert. And, and for having a baby and being pregnant again, I was a whore. So um, again, so people blaming the victim, blaming the victim, because that's the lazy thing for instead of people stopping for a moment, contemplating, thinking things through, it's easy just to blame the victim. Happens all the time. And that must have sucked. That must have sucked for you. It did. It did suck because I dropped out of school again. And you know, that was coming from children. We're talking about kids, we're talking about freshmen in high school. And you know, that that's how I was treated. And and I was, I mind my own business. I'm just like, you know, trying to do my thing keep my head down, just focus on my schoolwork, get it done. And, and it drove me out of, out of the classroom. And at that point I was, I was going in weekly with my assignments, turning them in, taking the stuff home. Um, but it, again, that forfeited education is one of the most painful things that I think um, we experience along with the isolation and, and your family becomes a distant part of your pa past. I mean, once you're married, your family is like pretty much washed their, their hands clean of you. And let's talk about this for a second. Again, it's horrible that the your family, well, in your case, maybe it's good that they, they washed their hands away because they did nothing but hurt you. 
let's talk about those those bullies in school. And again, this is just conjecture on Darren's part. Here's what happens. They talk about you to their parents at home as they're, they're eating their wonderful dinner in their, their sheltered world. And that evil stuff that they're saying to you, they're getting from their parents. They're getting from the other people in the neighborhood because these kids don't go, you know, grow up in a vacuum. They're, they're right. learning these verbs. They're learning these words. They learn yeah. because they talk about it all the time. Oh, the girl, she's the one with the pervert. Where's the compassion? Right. So I'm going to jump ahead to this. Where did you find compassion? Were they strangers? Was there somebody? Was it just eternal desire? There's usually it? there's somebody along the line that, that shows you grace. Or was there nobody? Um, whew, man, that's a tough one. Um, I did find my peace, you know, within. Um, however, at this very high school that I'm speaking to, um, they had an, uh, a child care center on the campus um, for students of the high school to take like early childhood development. And so a few years later, I went back to that school and to that childcare center and asked if my children could be in that daycare while I attended classes. And that was a different experience for me. I was 17 and, and the compassion that I, found with with the director of that facility is where um, I think I found hope just in 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 humankind and kindness and and um, and compassion she helped me navigate things that I didn't know about whether it be you know community resources or getting on a on a list for subsidized housing um, things like that, that I knew nothing about. Um, and so that's where I did find some help. Um, I was, I was told by my parents when I announced that I wanted to leave the marriage at 16, um, not, not to reach out to family members. And that was a really scary time for me. Um, but I went, I separated myself from my children because we, we didn't have anywhere to go. And my children went with his mom and dad. And I went with, a family member that said, hey, come stay with us. Let's figure out how to get you on your feet. Right, let's figure this out. And, right, and so, so that's where I was able to kind of pick up the pieces and figure out how I was gonna move forward. Um, but with the living, still being a minor, I couldn't rent an apartment, um, you know, or sign, sign a lease or a contract of any kind. And so I would, I would get the, the, what do you call it? The, nickel paper or whatever right. um, and look at rooms for rent and that is how i found housing for us is i would rent a room and i wouldn't tell them that i had children i would rent the room saying oh it's just me blah blah right. blah blah blah. and then a few a few weeks after that i would announce that for whatever crisis in the family i had to take my children in um, and that would, you know, that would expire. It wouldn't work. Um, and I'd repeat that, repeat it. Um, you do what you have to do, my friend. You do what you have to you do. do. You do. And, and that's exactly what I had to do to, to survive um, with my children. And, and that's another thing. Often uh, child brides that escape a marriage do not have their children with them and they do not get custody of their children because he's got the leverage. He's, he's the breadwinner. He's got the lawyer. He's he's got the voice. He's already suppressed her for years. She doesn't know how to use her voice, and she's so intimidated and frightened by him that she ends up separating herself from her children, and that is fucking heartbreaking. Oh, absolutely. And, and by the way, it's calculated and it's evil, and I, and, and I don't use that word sparingly. It's evil mm -hmm. because here's what happens. You know, she she can she can she can. Be the sex doll, and I use that term because that's what it is for this for this grown man, all right, and and raise his kids because that should be married. But the minute you want to um, leave and have the kids, no, you can't. You're a child. You don't have any income. You don't. Have, well, wait a minute. Well, well that doesn't equate. That's you that's know what happens all the time. That I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you for bringing that up because let me throw this. Little, little nugget into our story. 
when I did want to leave the marriage and reached out to my parents, my stepmother wrote a letter to the judge telling them that I was too young to have my children and I shouldn't, I should not be awarded custody. He should. I mean, that's, that, that made my head pop off. It was just, oh, but, but you were old enough for her son to rape you, but that's fine. That was fine. And getting married at 13 years old yeah. was fine. And having two kids at 14 years old was fine. But at, at 16, when I was trying to make a life for myself and, yep. and, and get my children into a safe place. Protect your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to ask your, your, um, your rapist husband, what do you do for a living? He, uh, in the beginning, he he worked out of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, and he went on to go to school. Um, he has worked for Paramount Motion Pictures, Universal Studios, Disney. Um, all, you know, uh, that's comforting. Yeah, well, that's part of that. That's a whole nother part of the story where I'm like the what ifs. Like I mm -hmm. stayed with them, and and what if and and what happened in his life after that and what kind of sex ring is he a part of now today like it's frightening yep and all you can do is get your message out there and mm -hmm. and so people become a little alert aware and uh, this conversation doesn't end after a conversation ends i mean this i'm picking up the mantle you're picking up the mantle you people at will we have to save these children. What have you done, jump ahead a little bit, to deal with the trauma? Because <laughs> it's not easy. Um, counsel, so even at 16 years old, which really kind of blows my mind looking back, um, I knew that I needed help. I knew that I needed therapy and and I knew it was gonna take a lot of work to overcome some of the, the trauma and the pain. Those are not words that I knew back then, but I knew that I needed the help. And I had, there is no time in my life from when I left my child marriage to today that I have not been in therapy. And quite frankly, therapy is life maintenance. I think it's a sounding board and I think everyone should be seeing a therapist. <laughs> huge, huge believer in it, huge believer in it. And, and, and I've been there myself. And, and Third party objective point of yes. view is, is a respectable uh, person. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen actually said something almost as a joke, but it's so true. He said, it's the, you could speak about yourself for an hour. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, yep. and because you can really, <laughs> but you know, and again, that goes into these different rabbit holes, right? Mm -hmm. People don't have insurance for it. And, and it, we, we need to do yeah. a better job in harm reduction, in mental health, in, in dealing with, with, with these type of things um, to help the individual and society as a whole, because that makes us better parents, better people, mm -hmm. more productive when, right. when we get that kind of help that we need. Um, great well, of you to get to reach out at such a young age. Thank you. Yes, you know, and, and I'm I I am happy to report that. Um, I, you know, the depression was never suicidal for me, um, but definitely de some depression, anxiety, um, you know, and, and complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Sure. Um, and so it's a life, it's a lifetime of recovery and, and I work on it. Um, I want to be a better person. I want to be present for my children. I want to own my shortcomings in a, in a, a with integrity. Right. Um, and, and the only way to do that is to really unpack the trauma and recognize it for what it is. You mentioned, and again, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. You mentioned your birth mother. Did you reconnect? Did talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, I reconnected with her when I moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, it was a really scary time. I, I think she was frightened um, with me moving to Portland and, and she actually asked me not to. She said, I wouldn't like it. She said, you're not going to like it here. It's, it's dark and rainy all the time. And I said, Ma, I've been living in Kodiak, Alaska. I think I can handle yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and, and so I, I came here um, 
you know, with an open heart and open mind and open arms um, to reconnect with my, my birth mother. Um, but I was very naive to the trauma and the baggage um, from, you know, her and I being separated and the guilt that I think she carried. I don't think she could ever get over that guilt. Like it was so heavy for her and so painful. Um, it, it created some, some hard places in our, in our relationship and, um, and we struggled. And unfortunately, when she was um, dying, um, I didn't get to see her. So I didn't, I actually didn't get to have that closure when she passed away. Um, she died of cancer. She was diagnosed with cancer and died 24 days after that. Um, sorry. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I'm, I do not regret that I moved to Portland to get to know her and I have no regrets about my life um, getting, you know, having that time with her. I, I think my regret would be much greater had I not yes. um, made an effort to know her. Um, so, I and it's wonderful that you were able to meet her and see her. Right. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I want to, before we kind of conclude that, I want to talk to you a little bit about How did you find the things in life that you like? And I'm sure it's still an ongoing situation because you've had a whole life of surviving and of just existing and protecting your children. And when did you feel the right, I enjoy this or I enjoy this? And I'm not just talking about it from, okay, let me just kind of as a diversion, but like, truly figuring out what you like in this world. And then my follow-up question to that is, what gives you pleasure? Wow, <laughs> thank you for asking those. I, you know, there was a time in my life when someone asked like, what, what do you do for a living? I wouldn't speak to my career, I'd speak to my hobbies. Um, I think I was, whew, I was probably around 36 or 37 years old. So two oldest kids, you know, graduated and pledged, pledged the nest. When I realized that I am very passionate about birding. So that was one thing that I, you know, I, I love birds my entire life. We had birds growing up, had, you know, different kinds parrots and, and things like that. And so I got to spend all this time studying birds. Um, and being in nature um, and, and each year kind of upping my, my equipment for birding because it's, it's kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and kayaking, that was another thing that I discovered I really liked. I, I started basically white, whitewater kayaking and wow. Um, wow. I took safety classes out on the Columbia River in, in the middle of January where we tipped our boats and had to figure out how to how to rescue another kayaker with our, our kayak overturned and all, all sorts of fun, exciting stuff. Um, so, so it wasn't until the kids left because there's really, like you said, it is you're in survival mode and you're raising your family anyway. You don't have a lot of time. And, and definitely I didn't know how to prioritize, you know, things that I enjoy or even have the money or resources to do them. Um, so, so yeah, approaching 40 years old was when I started to figure out what I like, um, and what kind of person I want to become. Um, and so that's, those are some of the things that bring me joy. Um, I spend a lot of time in the forest. Um, I practice forest bathing with Japanese practice. Um, and, um, what else, like what else, um, dog trainer, um, <laughs> what's your favorite breed? German Shepherd. Yeah. Oh, great breed. Great breed. I, I, when I was growing up in Brooklyn, my neighbor, uh, the Griffos, had a wonderful German Shepherd that was sort of like the neighborhood dog. Think Petey from the Little Rascals kind of thing. This was everybody's <laughs> dog, and, and he would allow the kids to climb on them, and it was just a wonderful oh. dog. We have a wonderful um, Shetland Sheep dog uh, right now, Sheltie, um, and, uh, which we absolutely love. But yeah, German Shepherds are, are, is a wonderful breed. Yeah, yeah, I love German Shepherds. Oh, the uh, cars. I mean, my other thing is cars. I obviously, you know, I, I was not able to um, have 
uh, reliable cars for many years. And um, I made the most ridiculous purchase when I was like 45 years old. It was thought out. It was not impulsive. It was planned. It was like a two-year plan. Um, and I bought a classic Porsche 911. Good and for you. Good for you, <laughs> my friend. Good for you. Uh, it's 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 fun. I love it. Um, I, I've good slowed for, down. Good bit. for seriously. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then my advocacy work. You know, while it's it's painful, um, knowing that I can use my story and my voice to influence change and just educate. Um, it's rewarding. It is. And thank you for having me. Oh, please. I'll leave you with this. Um, I made a new friend today. Let me tell you her name, Dawn Tyree. And thank you. Um, I want to help in any way that I can. And if any, some of our viewers or listeners, how could they help you? How we could they get in touch with you. Well, you, you know, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Dawn B. Tyree. Um, and our, my organization, not my organization, but one of the organizations that I'm working with side by side is, is based out of California and that's Global Hope 365. And we have a California coalition that you can join. You don't have to live in California to join it. You can go to um, cacoalitiontoendchildmarriage.org advocacy and join our California coalition to end child marriage. We're also working on human trafficking. Um, and helping to pro provide resources. Um, we also have the opportunity for you to write a, a digital letter to your um, city to take a stand against child marriage. So Global Hope 365 will help you draft this letter and present it. Um, and it's not like a legally binding contract, but it is you know, a, a community coming together and taking a stand and saying, hey, we don't want child marriage in our community anymore. Um, and that, my friend, is how we're taking over California, is one city at a time, one resolution at a time. And let me tell you something. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I say this without sounding like a martyr, I'm in. Whatever I can do, trust yeah. me, whatever I can do. And uh, do we know what, what uh, city that the organization is based out of? Not that it matters, but... Testing California. Perfect, perfect. Yes. And uh, thank you so much. Dawn, you're an amazing person. Um, if you're ever in the Fresno area or whatever, uh, coffee on me. Um, Thank you. There's nothing funnier, by the way, than seeing me in a kayak. I just, it's just, and there he is, and he's gone. He's gone, ladies and gentlemen. Thank goodness he has a life preserver on. And that's me on, <laughs> that's me on the beach. <laughs> it's just, I got it's, you back. I got yeah. you back. I'll save you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you for sharing your truth today. Thank you so much for having me. Be blessed. Bye.